Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to Episode 9 with Susie Ellis. Susie is Chair and CEO of Global Wellness Summit and Global Wellness Institute and is a featured keynote speaker. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought-provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Susie. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member. Get this information out there. Without further ado, Episode 9 of Happiness 2.02 Podcast with Susie Ellis. Susie, time is a finite resource. Underline everything that you do across your life, your summit, your wellness institute, your speaking engagements. Why do you do what you do? Ultimately, what drives you at your core? Wow, that's a lot to answer. Um, you know, John, I, I feel that I have been called to help empower wellness worldwide. And I've been doing it for four decades, even though we didn't use the term wellness uh, until, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So I've been in health and fitness and spa and in that arena for four decades. And I see that more and more people are recognizing the importance of their own personal health. And I look at life uh, increasingly as a divide between healthcare and self-care. And healthcare has, you know, doctors and medicine and, you know, government programs and all of that happening. And it's about, oftentimes it's about curing, it's about pills and surgery and so on. But then that other side, which is where I've been uh, playing for four, four decades, mm -hmm. is self-care, where people are taking care of themselves. And that can be through fitness, through healthy eating, through, uh, you know, wellness in the workplace, uh, you know, spa, thermal mineral springs, meditation, mental kinds of things. So um, I just see right now there is so much opportunity and so much interest in this sector that uh, it just, it's easy to get motivated every day. Absolutely. And could you share with the audience too, uh, you've been doing this for uh you know, four decades, which is absolutely remarkable. And just, uh, you know, you've seen probably so many changes within inside of the industry. But early on, what were some of your earliest influences that this, that you decided that you're going to take this direction in terms of your career? Uh, it may have been part of your high school, middle school, or university, where you just decided, okay, this is really my calling, so to speak. Well, when I was in uh, high school and college, uh, I was very interested in fitness. I was a gymnast and physical education was part of my major. And right after I got out of college, I went to the University of Illinois. Uh, we had to do an internship. And I ended up doing an internship at a place, actually, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it was called exclusively Tom Young's Health Spa. Yep. And um, the reason I went to Albuquerque, and this, I would say, is very 
typical for young people. It had to do with a boyfriend. You know, at that time, I wasn't making a career decision. I was making a decision that, you know, I'd really like to be closer to this boyfriend. And he wanted me to um, move out to where he lived. And that's where I went. And then I found an internship there. But when I decided and worked at this place, I thought, you know, I like this. This, uh, you know, people were coming in and working out and losing weight and, you know, getting healthier. And uh, so that's really where I started right after college. And then my next job was the real springboard. And that is uh, that I was hired at the Golden Door, which is in Escondido, California at the time and still now. It was the top health spa in the country. It was yep. very expensive. And um, I was hired there. And Deborah Zake, who was the founder, and she is still alive. She's 97 now. Wow. Uh, she hired me. And when I worked there, I just felt like I was home. It was a lot about health, fitness, but it was also about beauty and it was about mental health and so on. But at that time, the place was called a fat farm. So yeah. there was no talk about, you know, wellness. It was a fat farm. And what happened is celebrities were going there to lose weight for their next movie. And um, it was very successful um, at that. It actually was a very successful operation. Uh, and I... I worked there for many years, and Deborah Zake was actually became my mentor. And to this day, we're still friends. And I go down and see her in San Diego, where she lives. And um, you know, she was considered the godmother of the spa industry. And as she has often said, that you know, I guess I've become the godmother of the wellness industry because yeah. the baton of spa to wellness, we sort of uh, passed that between us. Because what happened is wellness became uh, something that was more, uh, I would say, uh, used than the word spa about 15 years ago, because the word spa has a little bit of an elitist connotation. And, um, you know, it's thought of oftentimes, or at least back then for, you know, wealthy people and so on. It's certainly become more democratized now, but still, uh, wellness was something that resonated with more people. It resonated with governments. It resonated with companies. And as the uh, research that we did with our Global Wellness Institute showed that it was a term that was going to become uh, uh, more and more popular and that people could really, uh, and it was an international term. It was used all, and it is used all over the world now. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing that story and, uh, and really being a part of, uh, you know, shaping, uh, you know, the term wellness, uh, you're kind of in the forefront there. Uh, can you share a little bit too, as well, uh, just that, uh, kind of the adversity you'd faced because, uh, really, when you talked about uh, kind of the earlier ways that uh, kind of the spa was, you know, kind of almost like a derogatory term, but not really derogatory. It was just that's what it was, you know, described at that point in time. Imagine there was a lot of adversity that you faced in terms of how you'd kind of, uh, you know, shift away from that, you know, acknowledge all the great things about it, but really to to pull more ideas into it and create something new. You share some of the, the adversities that you face along the way with the audience uh, as you're really, you know, that baton is being handed between, you know, the spas and the wellness industry. Yes. And, and I would say that, that the, the, the crux of the 
adversity was the medical field. Um, mm. I, I remember that when I first started, you know, in the 70s, um, you know, the dream was that, you know, the medical world, you know, the doctors um, and the, the spa world would come together and hold hands and, you know, really work together. And but that was not happening because the medical field really poo-pooed what we were doing. They, you know, first of all, the idea of, you know, complementary and alternative, you know, some of the things were that were being done at spas, you know, the, the medical arena, you know, they're famous for not even having nutrition classes. So they were very much oriented towards curing and, you know, medication and surgeries and so on. So when they looked at what we were doing, which at the beginning was spa and later became wellness, uh, they were not really fans. And mm. they also, what we found is that that whole arena has a different culture. In the medical arena, it's very hierarchical. The doctor says, this is what you do, and you do that. And, um, you know, they're highly paid. There's, you know, a lot of uh, financial issues. In our world, the wellness world, self-help uh, or self uh um, you know, uh, helping, helping oneself self care. Um, it's a little different. We're, we're more nurturers and we like to be aggregators of, you know, we like to work with the healthcare arena and so on. And so I would say the biggest adversity in the beginning, not so much now, mm -hmm. was that healthcare and medical arena really looked down on what we were doing and they were not interested. They, uh, you know, they were doing their thing and their thing was very important. You know, when, when that changed, I remember exactly when I knew that mm. changed was the year we did our global wellness summit. We do this every year and we're doing our 14th this year. The year we were in Mexico City, I got a call from the Mayo Clinic and the Mayo Clinic uh, wanted to come and attend our summit. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Because usually, I mean, we were reaching out to, you know, medical people from all exactly. over, inviting them to come and speak at our summits. But the Mayo Clinic was calling and saying they wanted to come and pay to be part of our summit. So I talked to the person that was calling, and here's what happened. The Mayo Clinic had opened a wellness center at the Mayo Clinic cost $20 million. And they had all these fabulous facilities and they wanted to do a wellness program and they were marketing it and nobody was coming. It was empty. Nobody was coming. And what they realized is that marketing to get people to pay for wellness was a whole different ballgame than the medical arena where you're building insurances and, you know, you're just, you know, doing your thing and somebody's paying. So they realized that they had a lot to learn from, you know, a world where people could charge, you know, the Golden Door charges $8,000 a week. Uh, you know, a lot of places charge, you know, Canyon Ranch places charge fair amount of money and people are paying for those experiences that was different than the medical model where people generally don't have to shell out you know thousands of dollars on their own uh for you know healthy you know uh measures and so on so anyway mayo clinic came and that's when i knew that okay now 
we have their attention. Yeah. And uh, interesting, they've come ever since. And now we have, you know, we've had Dr. Oz at our summit. We had um, Andrew Weil at our summit. We've uh, Dean Ornish. We've, we have a lot of medical people from all over the world now, Deepak Chopra and so on, that come. And now there's a lot more dialogue we have with the medical community. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, and thank you for sharing that really that, uh, you know, you really that, that calling that, that sense of, uh, really empowering, uh, you know, the wellness industry and, uh, you know, going through this journey of facing adversity. And then all of a sudden you have this moment where, okay, things have changed and, uh, just must've been felt absolutely amazing to, to experience that. Can you tell the audience a little bit about, uh, what experiences in your life? And I think a lot of the work that you do day to day, uh, really gets you there, but it gets you to those pinnacle states. Uh, some might describe it as flow states or experiencing flow. However you describe it for yourself, what are some of the things that gets you to that, that state where you just feel uh, completely on, so to speak? What an interesting question. And I do hear what you're saying because there are times when things feel like they're in a flow. And how I know that is that, you know, I'm getting more yeses. People are, are agreeing and they're calling and all of a sudden, you know, for example, we got a call about three months ago from the Vatican. They, wow. Yeah. And, and they, what they were interested in is the Pope was interested in putting forward a new vision for health. And he was recognizing that the old vision for health, you know, going to the doctor and, you know, and, and the help for poor people and so on, it just wasn't really all that successful, or at least it certainly could be more successful around the world. And he recognized, or the people there at the Vatican, that prevention was, you know, certainly something that should probably be part of the formula. And when they asked for advice on who they could go to, someone close to the Vatican who had spoken at one of our summits suggested the Global Wellness Institute because we've done a lot of research and we understand this self-care wellness arena. So they came to us and asked us if we would write some white papers for that would help inform their vision for the future of health. So, you know, we did that. And I guess in answer to your question, when that kind of call comes in, then it feels like we're in a flow because you know, this is what we do and someone else is interested in it. And, you know, you'd be amazed at the calls that I take every day from people, insurance companies, entrepreneurs. And interestingly enough, now people who've maybe had a career, you know, have done well in their lives and now they're looking for the next thing they want to do. This wellness and well-being space is very attractive because everyone can relate to it. They're challenged in their own life for their own wellness and well-being. And there are now a lot more things people can do, let alone with technology. I mean, the wellness technology, the medical technology, and it's not just going to the doctor and using technology, but, you know, you have all the apps, mental wellness things. And now with COVID and all the ways we're connected virtually, uh, it's just really, there's a lot of opportunities. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when you see kind of one layer after another after another, then that's that's a real flow. And how would you describe that state? Sometimes it's hard to put into words, but if you could describe it to the audience when you receive that call uh, and you start, 
you know, processing and you start working on these activities, which require incredible focus, I imagine. How do you describe that in terms of your breathing or just your creativity uh, kind of uh, in those moments uh, uh, where it's intense uh, focus and also at the same time, uh, intense responsibility too because of the number of people that you're impacting? Well, you know, I think that, you know, people say, and I would agree, that it does help to have a vision. And I'm not one for complicated vision statements or mission statements. Mm. I like things simple. And so for our Global Wellness Summit, our motto is joining together, shaping the future. And for our institute, our motto is empowering wellness worldwide. So when something comes to me or if I'm reading something and it jumps off the page and it kind of fits under one of those umbrellas, then I go in that direction. And I don't really stop to think about, you Mm. know, the responsibility or, you know, oh, this is great. The Vatican's calling. I don't think about that. I just think, you know, this is fantastic. The Pope is thinking about a future um, for health that's different. And that's what we do. And so we're happy to share what we do. And uh, so it's it's staying focused um, on what the vision is and just putting one foot in front of the other. I just find that for me that that has been the most successful. I honestly am not one to have five-year plans. Honestly, I don't know how anyone has a five-year plan these yeah. days. You know, it's just who knows what's going to happen in five years. But I do know what I'm going to do this year to the end of the year. And then I just keep doing it. And then I really have found it's helpful to surround myself with really smart people that are smarter than me in a lot of ways uh, because then they bring a lot to the table. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing uh, that, that with uh, the audience there. And uh, you're really about that, you know, that planning, you know, throughout the end of the year, you know, the future has a lot of uncertainties, of course, but, uh, and then really staying, you know, kind of honing in on your vision. And then that becomes almost like a, a measurement tool uh, as you're receiving calls and you're looking at different opportunities. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing. Can you share with the audience as well some of the things, uh, the small things that you do to maintain happiness or, or wellness in your own personal life? Uh, it might be a, uh, an activity to start off the day or, you know, taking time out for a coffee or going for a walk or something that you do at the end of the day. Maybe share some of the, the small things that you do to uh, to maintain happiness or wellness. Sure. You know, actually, John, that is something that I think is really maybe core for everyone, for all of us. What are we doing in our own lives for our own health and well-being and happiness? Because if that's working, then the career piece, the relationship pieces fall into place a lot easier. If it's not working, then all those other pieces don't fall in place really well. So I would say that getting adequate and quality sleep is a real priority. I've learned that along the way. Uh, You know, healthy nutrition is fine, but I'm also one that really recognizes that happiness is, you know, having some ice cream now and then. Um, I'm not a strict, you know, vegetarian, no, you know, no glass of wine now and then. So knowing nutrition, making good choices most of the time and movement, I think is really important. And the third, you know, fitness and uh, what we eat is kind of two legs of the stool. The third piece of uh, leg of the stool that I really spent, um, it was a long time before I added that to my stool, was the stress reduction mindfulness meditation piece. Mm. I kind of resisted that. <laughs> yeah. I was more of a, let's get out there and do things. And, you know, I ran marathons and whatever. But 
I did um, finally uh, hear a very convincing lecture from um, from someone with TM. And um, and I took the TM class, a transcendental meditation class, yep. which I've learned since, you know, is just a way to learn meditation that seemed easier to me than than just, you know, focusing on my breathing or all the mindfulness classes or uh, instruction that I'd had. So when I added that, um, I would say that has been helpful. So getting adequate sleep. And then in the morning, I do find that if I get my exercise and my meditation in the morning, that's usually better than uh, waiting. And hopefully it'll get in the rest of the day because it usually never does. Um, So I think, and then the other piece that's really important, a lot of uh, research, you know, blue zones and the Framington study and, you know, have shown it's really important to have uh, deep connections with some people or uh, yeah. at least one person. And I have an identical twin sister. I'm very lucky that wow. we are really very close. She lives in Austin, Texas. I live in Miami, so we don't see each other a lot. However, we talk on the phone quite often, I would say almost every day. But more importantly, we share at a deep level. I will share with her what I am worried about or what, you know, issues there are in my marriage or in, you know, relationships at work or whatever. And having that connection, uh, you know, the studies show that is a very important part of happiness and wellness. And, and uh, so I've made that a little bit more of a priority than I used to in the past. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, that, that story related to, to your sister. If you could span a little bit more just for the audience, um, what that deep connection, you talked about kind of, you know, talking about worries and uh, how, do, how does that feel? Because if you, you have, I don't think, I imagine a lot of the audience, they don't have that regular kind of space or that regular time uh, to really engage with someone at that deep level on a daily basis, which sounds absolutely remarkable. Um, can you share just uh, with the audience uh, kind of what that feels like, uh, knowing that you have that opportunity every day to uh, to experience uh, yourself uh, and share your, yourself to its fullest with another person uh, and, and vice versa too as well? You know, that is Probably, I mean, I don't think of it as needing to carve out time for it. It's ah. part of my life. And and it's not just my sister. I mean, of course, with my sister, you know, we, we know we're each other's confidant. And so we can go really deep. And it isn't just me. You know, she's the one that calls, mm-hmm. you know, and says, oh, you know, I've got an issue. And then, you know, but sometimes what we do, oftentimes, um, I will go for a walk and we'll talk while I'm on a walk. So I'm not wasting time just sitting on a couch talking with her, not to say that would be a waste of time, but, um, but you know, I'm, you know, maybe walking and she'll be on the treadmill and so on. But it isn't just with my sister. I just got off the phone before this interview with someone uh, who is potentially going to be joining our board. And um, I decided, you know, I'm going to be just totally frank and honest with him about a certain thing with our, our, um, you know, what what we're working on internally. And just that, you know, frankness and openness, you know, then he became that way. And we just Uh had a fantastic conversation. And that is so fulfilling. So the way that feels is like, oh, my gosh, that feels satisfying. It feels like. You know, I've been open. He's been open. Uh, I've learned things. He's learned things. And I think we have a much better chance to do some things together. 
So it just kind of takes it away from the surface. Honestly, I think that comes with age. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you get older and and you think, you know, what do I have to lose? <laughs> you exactly. know, I can be transparent with this person. I don't have to put on airs or pretend or, you know, try and make something look better than it really is. You can get at the core of things because uh-huh. at the core, people do understand that, you know, life can be messy. Not everybody has great friendships and relationships or everything is not always good at work. And uh, so sharing that more often than not ends up being very satisfying. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing uh, you know, those insights related to sleep and nutrition and also those, uh, you know, those really those deep connections or the ability to go to those deep connections incredibly rapidly. Uh, uh, Susie, can you tell us a little bit more about some of uh, the initiatives and projects that you have underway? Uh, you know, the Global Wellness Summit And I'd love to hear more about uh, what's kind of up and coming for 2020. Sure. Well, you know, we started the global, uh, a global summit 14 years ago. At that time, it was called the Global Spa Summit. And uh, we decided we modeled it after the World Economic Forum, which is uh, an event in Davos. I had attended a couple of times because my husband was an internet entrepreneur and he was asked to speak there. And I liked the format where you get people together. There was no trade show, but we just were able to connect with other people and share, you know, it was thought leadership brain, you know, kind of a, a place to explore and, and talk about innovation and so on. Anyway, we started the Global Wellness Summit and um, we decided to have it in a different place every year. We started in New York, we went to Switzerland, then we were in Turkey and Bali, and we've been to India where we had the Dalai Lama speak, and we've been in Morocco and Mexico City, and last year we were in Singapore, and this year we were supposed to be in Tel Aviv. However, with the COVID and uh, travel and so on, we've uh, decided that we're going to have it in the U.S. because people could drive and um, it'll, you know, be an easier way to put the group together. So we're going to be at the Breakers in Palm Beach in mm. November, November 8th uh, through 11th. And uh, so that will be our 14th Global Wellness uh, Summit. We changed our name from the Global Spa Summit to the Global Wellness Summit partway through. So that's very exciting because uh, we will you know, gather together 500 people or so, and we will be looking at the entire global wellness economy. And that includes, you know, the beauty industry, wellness, tourism, wellness, real estate, which by the way, that's a lot of vibrancy there. Mm -hmm. It includes the spa economy, thermal mineral springs, fitness, nutrition, uh, you know, public health, et cetera, and workplace wellness. And then the other thing we're doing, which I get excited about, is that there's a lot of opportunity now in wellness real estate. In other words, creating communities around the concept of true wellness. And so after the summit, uh, there is a place called Serenby outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And it is probably one of the, you know, poster childs for a wellness community. It's been around 15 years and they're extremely successful. So we're all, not all, but a lot of us will go visit there. 
so that's the summit. The Institute, the Global Wellness Institute, is our nonprofit. We uh, have a lot of research there. All the research that we've done is available for people for free, uh, globalwellnessinstitute.org. And we do initiatives all over the world. We do wellness for cancer. I was just on a call with Wellness for Africa a couple of days ago, and so there's about 40 initiatives that are that are running. All volunteers, people can get involved, and uh, and then we have a website called Wellness Evidence. It's part of the Wellness Institute, where people can go and find the medical evidence mm. for different modalities. Like for example, uh, uh, massage. You can go and click on massage, and then it'll take you to the places in PubMed and other databases where they have that, um, uh, you know, the research that's been done. And interestingly enough, we're, we also talk a bit about positivity and, you know, positive psychology and happiness because that's a part of wellness also. And mental wellness is becoming something that is, uh, you know, more and more discussed and talked about. In fact, our research this year, because we do a big study every year, but this year our research is on mental wellness and that will be available at our November summit. Oh, absolutely amazing. Can you share a little bit more about the uh, November summit, just so that, just to get a taste of, uh, you know, what that, uh, you, you kind of talked about the World Economic Forum. And I think that was probably, you know, you gained some insights there of what you would ultimately like to uh, create in terms of a summit. Can you share a little bit more flavor in terms of uh, the experience for, for someone that's uh, joined this incredible group of individuals? Yes, the you know, the uh, World Economic Forum, it's invitation only, and they, you know, invite the top people, you know, CEOs of companies. Um, I mean, they are at the tippy-tippy top, you know, the presidents mm-hmm. go and, you know, so on. And they have about 2,500 people that attend. Uh, we are a tiny little kind of a, you know, we have been called Wellness Davos, but um, we also are invitation only uh-huh. because we do invite people who are at the top, you know, C-suite of different companies that have to do with health, wellness, spa, uh, or any of those categories that I mentioned. And we get together, it's three days, and uh, we have keynote speakers, and we have panelists and panels. Um, But what we have that is unusual is that, you know, We'll have, we mix everything. Everyone's a VIP, everyone who comes. And we do have people who, for example, have companies that sell to the wellness arena or, you know, the like Technogym is a company that mm-hmm. that is, uh, you know, very well known and it sells to, uh, you know, spas and fitness centers, you know, hotels and so on all over the world. Companies like that, or Peloton, or Mirror, and so on. And but what we do is we put people like that together um, at, at tables for a conversation with maybe a student, and maybe with a professor, maybe someone from the nonprofit world, and we mix people up so that we're not just you know sometimes you go to these events and everybody like the medical world oftentimes it's all doctors, all yep. doctors there. Well, if it's all doctors, then you're all talking about, you know, (laughs) the same thing you're usually talking about. But when you start mixing up and you have a real estate person that is talking to a doctor who's talking to a, uh, you know, community volunteer who is talking to a student, then, you know, you have more creative conversations. So 
anyway, for three days, that's what we do. We also, of course, do things, you know, outdoors and, um, you know, we can do that in, in Palm Beach in Florida in November. Um, but it's facilitated conversations and presentations and all of the speakers uh, speak about 20 minutes at the most. We are mm-hmm. not, you know, we're not in the academic world. We don't want to have 45 minute presentations, but we have people that will talk for, you know, 20 minutes and they will plant, you know, an idea. And sometimes we, um, you know, we do things that are a little bit controversial or certainly things that are future oriented. Like I'll give you a little hint. I spoke Mm -hmm. with someone um, just a few days ago and we are going to talk about sexual wellness at the summit uh, this year, just, you know, one presentation because at Canyon Ranch, they have created, you know, a, a program that includes, you know, this fantastic doctor who talks about this. And, uh, you know, she's going to actually bring sex toys and things that she speaks about that are very transparent in the sexual wellness arena. That, you know, you're not going to see that in a lot of places, but we will present that. Or we've had, and I know you know Naveen with Viome, and he spoke. And that, you know, he presented what he does, which is very new. And it's a technology that, uh, you know, helps people understand from their microbiome what they should be eating. Um, And, you know, that's the kind of thing. And speakers who are, you know, have written books about, you know, breath or about um, togetherness or, you know, different topics that are a little bit more on the cutting edge that, uh, and we know because we've done the research that what is sort of, uh, you know, microbiome, you know, we talked about that much earlier than most people. And uh, so that's kind of what happens in three days and people, you know, they, they usually love it and come back because it's kind of a dose of the future in yeah. terms of wellness. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, and just a, such a remarkable journey of, uh, you know, really having that, uh, you know, the early, early experience in terms of, uh, you know, a, a calling from an early age and then having the internship, you know, starting off the, the spa industry and really taking the reins, you know, for the wellness industry. And now really to have focal point, you know, focal point uh, in, uh, uh, you know, in the latter part of the year with uh, the Global Wellness Summit with, you know, kind of keynote speakers, you know, uh, invitation-only guests, and just a remarkable cross-section of speakers and topics uh, that are covered. Uh, Susie, where can people find you? I know that you'd mentioned some of the locations, but if you could just do kind of a, a recap of where people can find you. Yeah, the, the easiest way, um, you know, if they go to our website, globalwellnesssummit.com, and uh, globalwellnessinstitute.org. Um, you know, there's lots of different people that you could reach out to. Our PR people are there and they will get in touch with me. And I'm on social media, on LinkedIn. Um, I don't mind people getting, you know, in touch with me directly. My email is susie, S-U-S-I-E, at globalwellnesssummit.com. And by the way, speaking of, you know, doing things a little differently, Um, We are not going to do a virtual part of our summit. You know, a lot of people are doing virtual summits now or virtual conferences, and I'm sure there are places for that. However, we made a conscious decision that uh, we really feel it's important to convene. And I know that November is a ways away, but who knows what will happen with COVID. But 
you know, we might be 10 people, we might be 600 people, I don't know, but we feel it's important to get together. And that does not happen or the virtual kind of events are not, in my mind, taking the place of that. So I I know it's a little controversial because everyone's into virtual kinds of things. And we do a lot of collaboration, virtual Zoom calls every week. We do three of them for, uh, you know, different groups. And we have sometimes we've had 500 people on them. But our summit is not going to be that. Our summit is going to be getting together. Yeah, 100% agree. It's they've, they, it has not, they've not figured it out uh, virtually at this point in time. So, uh, so uh, do you have any parting words for the audience? You've had this remarkable journey of really being at the forefront and also shaping the wellness industry. Do you have any kind of parting words for the audience when they think about wellness uh, and, and is evolving from, uh, you know, from what you've seen in the past and from today going forward? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, you know, there's the term wellness and well-being and people are, you know, they kind of use them, you know, interchangeably. And I think that's fine for now, but I think in the future, there's going to be a bit more of a distinction. And I see well-being um, a little bit more on the um, mental uh, wellness side and on the happiness aspect, whereas wellness um, is a little more on the physical uh, aspect, not to say that there isn't also the mental part of it. And that's really just from our research from consumers. Uh, because when you define things, it's one thing to define it for yourself or for your industry. But what you really want to do is find out how are people reacting to the terms. And what we've learned is that the term well-being, people react very much about, you know, the emotional health and happiness and those aspects. And with wellness, they think a little bit more about the physical, you know, the fitness and nutrition and healthy eating and so on. Not to say that there isn't also the mental wellness part of it. So I think in the future, there's going to be a little bit fork of the road that both are important, but right now they're interchangeable. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. Susie, thank you for your summit your Wellness Institute, your speaking engagements, and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. You have made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you are taking to invest in your life. And if you gain something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate it if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen.